You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Could you do me a favor and welcome Elliot? Good morning. Good to be here this morning. We've been in a series called Focus Forward. And Pastor uh, Phil's been talking about how we can fix our eyes, our perspective, our heart on Jesus. Uh, Last week, he gave a very practical message on prayer. And he also touched upon um, the future judgment of God for all humanity, including uh, believers. We're all going to be judged and rewarded for our lives. And so we thought this would be a good topic to touch on again this morning. So we are going to try to go through the whole chapter of Matthew 25 this morning. There's three sections. And um, let, me, let me just pray for us as uh, you turn in your, uh, your phone or your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Let me pray. Father, take the words of your Son and plant them like seeds in our heart. Spirit, take these seeds and may they produce fruit in our lives that will last. Amen. Okay, uh, let me just paint the scene for us Matthew tw- in Matthew 25. This is the last few days of Jesus. And just before this, Jesus was in Galilee. He is resolutely on his way to Jerusalem, where he's told his disciples, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed, and he's going to be killed. And they don't get it. And uh, he sent out 72 disciples before him to prepare the way, go in all the towns and villages. And then he went to all these places and by the time he gets to Jerusalem, his, his fame, his popularity is huge, huge crowds. And as he's coming into Jerusalem, he's riding the donkey, and they're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, salvation. And, man, the, the energy that, that just seems like, okay, he's going to become the Messiah, and this, this thing's going to happen. And you can just feel like the the end of the, his life, like, there's so much energy, and there's so many people following, so many, there's dedicated disciples, um, and huge crowds are following him. And he comes, we come to Matthew 25, and he tells his disciples, he gets dead serious with them. This is two days before the Passover, three days before he's going to be killed. And he says, basically in short, not all who follow me are going to go with me into the kingdom. There's people with me. They think they're in, the gr- in our group. They think, they think they're in the kingdom, but they're not. And they're going to be surprised at the final judgment. So let's turn and let's read. We're going to read it all. And then I'm going to quickly just go through it and and pull out a a main point from uh, each of these three sections in Matthew 25. So let's read this first section, 
This is the parable of the ten bridesmaids. And you can read with me uh, when the, the yellow comes. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in the jars around along with their lamps. Read with me, would you? The groom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy asleep. At midnight, a cry rang out, Here's the groom! Come out to meet him! Then all the bridesmaids, they woke up, and they trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us, both us and you. Instead, go out, who, uh, go out to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the groom arrived. Read with me. The bridesmaids who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and shut, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know What is it? What's going on in the story? And this, this story might sound kind of foreign to us, but honestly, uh, you know, living overseas, this is a, a typical Indian wedding, right? The groom comes with his guys and his family in a procession down the street. They come to the girl's house, her girls and her family, they join the procession, and they all go back to the groom's house for a big party, right? And, and here's the ridiculous thing that happens, and this happens, you know, in India, really uh, typical. The groom doesn't show up until the middle of the night. And, and you always hear, oh, you know, everybody fell asleep during the wedding. And um, so this is just, you know, typical. I'd wake up in the middle of the night in India, and I'm like, Lord, what's going on outside? And there'd be drums and fireworks and a, a, a wedding procession coming down the street in the middle of the night. And... Um, in this story, there are 10 single ladies, 10 bridesmaids, and they fall asleep. That's normal. And at some point in the middle of the night, here comes the groom. And in this story, Jesus is the groom. And he's coming for the bride. And all the whole procession is going to go with him. And it kind of it reminds us of this, this part in the Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 2. It says, um, I've come into my, the banqueting house, right? And his banner over me is love. God is coming for his bride. And what does it say about the, the ladies that he's, the, the, the bride that he's coming for? Five of the bridesmaids, they were wise and they were ready. They had oil in their lamps. See the oil? And their wicks were trimmed. Uh, I have no clue about trimming wicks, and I don't think any of us do. <laughs> but um, you can imagine, you had to have enough oil, right? And they were unprepared. 
And they said they had to get up. Here he comes down the street. We hear him. But they had to go out to the market. And they had to wake up some shopkeeper and say, hey, sell us some oil. (laughs) And they bought some oil. And then they went to the groom's house. But they were late. They came knocking on the door. Hey, let us in. We're, you know, we're, we're the bridesmaids. We're with the, the bridal party. And the, the groom came out, or maybe better yet, we could say that the father of the groom came out, and he said, no, the door is shut. He says, I, besides, I don't even know. I don't, who are you ladies? It's, you're not coming into the party. And you, you imagine, what? We're, we're the bridesmaids. We're, we're in the in-group. You know, we're, we're with them. And that wasn't important. He says, I don't even know you. The door is shut. And Jesus is saying, there will be a time in the future when enough is enough. Either you are spiritually prepared. If we take the oil and the light to kind of represent God's presence, does in the Bible, often oil and light represents God's presence. If God's presence isn't in your life, if you aren't prepared, Jesus is saying, there will be a time and place when I come, when I, the groom, Jesus, come for my people, and I will take them to be with me, and the Father will shut the door to the kingdom. And many will be outside in the middle of the night, in the dark, for all eternity. And many will be surprised. They thought they were in, but they're left out on the street. Church, I think the lesson we can learn from this is simply this. Are you spiritually ready for the door of the kingdom to be shut for all eternity? He is coming in an hour no one knows. Are you saved? Do you know God? Do you know him? Let's read the next section. This is the parable of uh, a master with three servants, so the, the, the parable of money bags, right? Again, it will be the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, he, he, to another two bags. And to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Read with me. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought it, brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Read with me. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has the 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they will be. T- and, and they threw out that worthless servant. And they threw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So just like the parable we read before about the ten bridesmaids, this is another story, illustration of the kingdom of God. Jesus, again, is the main character. He's the master who's going away on a long journey, and he's going to come back. It says, after a long time, sometime, we don't know exactly when, he's going to come back. Are you going to be surprised when he comes back? And just like the father of the groom who was at the door So too, this master is a strict guy. He has expectations. He has expectations that his workers are going to do their job and do it well. And he comes to the third servant and he says to him, you should have invested my money. The other two guys, they did a great job. They met my expectation. But you... You should have invested my money. You should have multiplied the money I gave you. That was his expectation. God's heart for his people has always been multiplication. Let me just kind of lay it out very quickly in the Bible. God says, Genesis 1, 27, 28, he says, I make man in my image. He made Adam and Eve. Right, So here's God the Father, and he makes children that are like him. That's multiplication, right? The very next verse, he says to Adam and Eve, he says, you be fruitful and multiply. So God is a multiplying God. He makes children that multiply. Then we get to Genesis 
35, God says, Abraham, Abraham, be fruitful and multiply. God's plan was that his covenant blessings, his redemptive plan was going to come through Abraham's family as they multiplied, right? That was his plan. And that was physical multiplication. It was a picture for us of spiritual multiplication. And it says in John then, Jesus says, I've anointed you as my disciples, I've appointed you as my disciples, that you might bear much fruit, that you might multiply. And we see that. He trains them. He walks with them. He shows them how to walk in his authority and his power, how to teach about the kingdom. And he says at the end, he says, you are my disciples, but now you are going to go out to the whole earth and make disciples. That's multiplication. Spiritual multiplication. God's heart for his people from the beginning, throughout redemptive history, all through the Bible, that's just three, four passages, has been multiplication. You know, with my children, I don't expect them to, they get to just experience the blessings of our house, you know, all the good things that we give them. But when they're adults, I expect them to multiply those blessings and to give those blessings to their children and to their neighbors and to others around them, right? As adults, as spiritually mature people, we are called to multiply, not just physically, but more so spiritually. And God said, and the master, the Lord Jesus, says to this servant, my expectation was multiplication. You should have taken the spiritual things that I gave you, the spiritual life that I gave you, the spiritual gifts, the spiritual truths that I gave you, and you should have invested those in others and multiplied them. Jesus is saying, when I come to judge the world and reward believers and non-reward believers, I'm going to ask them, what did you do with what I gave you, the spiritual life that I gave you? Did you multiply it? I am so excited for this, the journey we're on as a church. And I've, there's been many times in my life where I felt I'm not multiplying. And um, I feel like I've always hadn't had the tools and principles to multiply in people's lives. But I feel like this, that what we're moving into as a church, uh, different trainings and different um, things that we're going to be moving into as a church, we're going to give you all the resources, the principles, the ideas, and create the structures we need to create to multiply as individuals and as a church. God's heart for Elevation Community Church is not, is not that we just be a healthy happy community of believers. His heart for us is multiplication. Take the good spiritual things that I've given you, the spiritual life that I've given you, and you give those to others, and you implant those in others. So when he comes, he can say to us, well done. I gave you 10 bags of gold, and look, now there's 20. That's, what I, that's my heart. That's what I want him to say, right? Amen. Let's jump to the third story. 
Jesus is just getting more and more serious, uh, more and more explicit about the final judgment, about rewards. This story, this section, it's not a story. It's not a parable like the other. These were two parables we just read. They were kind of illustrated what was going to happen in the future. This is not that. This is Jesus being explicit in plain language. This is not our allegorical Bible prophecy like we find in the book of Revelation. This is not that. This is Jesus in plain language telling his disciples what is going to happen in the future. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. I'm just going to stop there. If we could just get a glimpse of that, right? Get a glimpse of his sovereign power, his rule, his beautiful, majestic, just glory. What would happen to our hearts? (laughs) Like what what would happen to our our priorities, our, 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 our monthly planner? You know, like, woo! It's like Isaiah when he saw the Lord. It's like, woe is me, like I... Everything changes when we behold the majesty and the beauty of God. Okay, let's keep going. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed, blessed of my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Read with me. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison. And you came to visit me. Then the righteous will say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in and needy and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? We Jesus, we never met you. I mean, we just met you like two minutes ago, and you're saying we did all this to you? Then the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For... I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also, they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needy or needing clothes? or sick and in, or in prison and did not help you. And he replied to, truly I tell you, whatever you did 
not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The Bible has a lot to say to us about what makes us acceptable in God's eyes and what is a, how we can come into heaven. And we're not going to read all those verses this morning, but in short, the only way to be right in God's sight and come into his presence is Jesus' sacrifice for our sin debt and his holy righteous life applied to us and his him making us a new creation right the holy spirit comes into us changes our hearts and we naturally we want to love is christ's love has come into our hearts and we naturally want to love so from god's heart from faith that he imparts to us we can follow him and love others. If we don't have love in our hearts, if we don't care about and we don't serve people, Jesus is saying in this passage, if you don't love and if you have never loved in your whole life, then has the Father's love ever been in your heart? That's what he's saying. He's, he's putting into question for us, the reader, their eternal state. He's making us step back, question ourselves, right? Because he's saying, there's a lot of people that follow me. Disciples, you see these crowds? Look at all these people all around Jerusalem. The buzz is crazy, right? They're so happy to make me Messiah. And he's saying, there'll be a lot of people who think they're in. But the love of God was never in their hearts and their lives never reflected it. And they actually won't be in because judgment is coming. A time and place in history where God will say enough is enough and he will divide people to the left and to the right. So this is a hard one. Right? I think about times in my life where I, I think, when have I clothed people, um, clothed somebody, or went to pr- or visit somebody in prison? Like, never? I've never even been to a prison. And, or, you know, if, if I was standing before the judgment seat of God and I had my attorney here, and he's like, well, you know, Elliot, he's a really good guy. You know, he preached that sermon that one time. Um, and,. You know, there was that one time he did this and he, he fed these people and he gave this money and he's, you know, he's good. And I think we'd all realize as we think about this passage, no, we, we, we fall short. We fall short. And there's many times in our lives where we, we don't feel like, oh, I'm, I'm feeding people. And, you know, when you're in this first century context and many places in the world today. There are sick people on the street. Where, where I lived in India, people died on the street. Many people, hundreds of people. You could just go and there's beggars, not enough food, naked. And it was blatant 
And that's how it was in the first century. But when you walk through Blanchester, there's no beggars, really. There's, there's nobody hungry. There's nobody like on the, on the street like. But there are needy people. There's people in pain. There, the issues are different, right? That's what I'm trying to say. It's, the, the context is different. But they are still what this passage would refer to as the least of these people with major issues in their life, with pain, and spiritually needy, physically needy, uh, hungry even. And um, it's not as blatant to us as it was in the first century, but our community is in need, and God sees them. The question is, do we see them? Is our hearts broken for them? And like I mentioned about this discipleship initiative that we're taking, moving into, part of it is going to be engaging our community and intentionally targeting the needs of people in our community. And we're all called to it. This passage calls us to it. Jesus says, you are to love as I love. You are to have the Father's heart in you, Father's compassion in you. And you operate that way to the extent that, yeah, you're feeding people. You're taking care of the needs. You're intentionally targeting the needs of people. So here's the question for us, church, from this passage. Is the Father's love in our heart? Do you know him? And from this love, do you love the least of these? I'll be the first to say, I want to move into this. I want to be more intentional. I don't want to sit in my church office all day. I want to lead groups of people in dynamic gospel engagement with the unreached. And I don't know how to do that. I need your help. We're going to do it together. We're going to do it as a community. But that's what God's calling us to in this passage, to love as he loved, to love the least of these. Lord, God, show us how to do that. Ben, you can come on up. So uh, in review, the parable of the ten bridesmaids is the light of God burning in your light, in your life. Do you truly know God? Because the door of the kingdom at one point in time will be shut. Are you ready? We all think, oh, I want to do this in my life, and I want to do this for God, and I want to do this, I want to do that. We all have these thoughts. Now's the time. He's coming in an hour we don't know. That's the point. Be prepared. It's not, we don't think, oh, I'm going to go out to the market and I'm going to get my oil at some point. No, buy the oil now. Get the presence of God in your life now. Do the things that God's calling you to do now. The parable of the master and the three workers. Are you spiritually multiplying Are we making disciples? The gifts that God's given us, the spiritual life he's poured into us, the spiritual truths he's given to us, are we pouring these into others? And then this last section, the final judgment. Jesus one day will sit on his glorious throne and judge all humanity. The unrighteous, the unsaved will go away into darkness forever. 
and we will be rewarded according to our lives. Hmm. Let's pray. God, you are holy, righteous judge. One day you will sit on your, you sit on your throne right now, but one day we will see it. We will see it. We, you will sit on your throne and we will see your majestic glory, your beauty, your sovereign rule over the world. Thank you, God, that you are also a groom coming for your people. That you love, God, and your banner over us is love. You love us so much, and you are warning us. Jesus, like Jesus is warning his disciples, this doesn't have to happen. We can take steps in our lives right now to prepare ourselves, to take serious the kingdom of God. And thank you, God, that you are a generous master, so generous. You re- the rewards that you give us are up and above, God. You don't even need to reward us for anything. But you do when you say, I want you to live in eternity with me, in my happiness, with me for all eternity. Thank you, God. You are good. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.